Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bloody Good Horror. This week, we will be discussing Orphan First Kill. Maybe the most unlikely prequel slash sequel you might ever see in your life. So that's what we're going to discuss here tonight. First up, joining me from Memphis, Tennessee, please welcome Elizabeth to the show. Hey, y'all. Oh, my gosh. I got the first up spot. (laughs) (laughs) Next up from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. Uh, also, our West Coast contingent joining us here tonight um, from California. Please welcome Matilda to the show. Hey there. It's Tilly now that I know that you're called that because it's just Tilly is fine. I feel assured you, you're the only Tilly on a horror podcast, and I like that a lot. <laughs> and last up tonight, also from the Bay Area, please welcome Rachel to the show. Hey, glad to be back. Rachel Rock in the uh, Orphan First Kill background tonight. <laughs> it's like pretty yeah. legit. Yeah. We all person. have yeah. our heroes, all right? <laughs> Mine happens to be a homicidal <laughs> I wish I had made a list in, of to bring to of like all of the insanely mean insults that Julia Stiles throws at her during this movie. Oh my gosh. It's like, it becomes like the real housewives, like immediately. Like she's just like savage. I love it so much. All right. So let's do it. Let's take a quick break here and review Orphan First Kill. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Um, I was, Elizabeth and I were hanging out before the show and she'd already watched the movie. I was watching it, but she got to see my reaction to the twist of this movie in real time. <laughs> like what was well, great was I was right in the middle of just some stupid story where I was like, and then the lady was like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, hold on, wait, what? And I was like, oh, right. This is like the part. This is the part. Pay attention. Insane. And I can't wait to talk about it. We should, of course, say spoilers. It's it's just going to, we need to spoil. It's one of those things and it's a very spoilable movie. So please keep that in mind. But before we talk about it, Elizabeth, please bring us the word of the day. I gotta use my NPR voice. Um, Today's word of the day is sororicide. Mm -hmm. I believe this is how we were saying. It is the act of killing one's sister or a person who kills his sister. It's very specific. Sororicide. Uh, I like it. Sororicide. I feel like that could definitely be a pop punk band mm. or like that, I could use that for something. Um, so it comes to us from medieval Latin, sororicidium. Um, Latin soror meaning sister and sidium or side meaning killing. Sororicide. Love it. But it also sounds like a really sassy dinosaur. Like <laughs> I love Uh it. Thank you for that. Rachel, um, can you tell me a little bit about Orphan First Kill? Sure. I'm happy to do, I'll I'll do the synopsis, but do you want to just tee up a little bit of the the pedigree here? Yeah. (laughs) 
I was like, oh, wait, the synopsis too. I'm going to need another cup of coffee. Um, okay, so Orphan First Kill is a prequel to the 2009 film Orphan, uh, which was loosely based on a true story of a woman. This is the first twist. Sorry, spoilers for Orphan, but 2009 was a long time ago. Um, about a woman with a particular kind of dwarfism um, who insinuates herself into a family and is pretty murdery. And it's as based- a as a like as a child. Like she pretends yes. to be a child, basically. Yes. So this is the story of how Esther came to be Esther. And it is directed by uh, taking over for Jaime um, Colette uh, is William Brent Bell, who is a storied director in a very particular lane of horror. In BGH His- history, yes. And yes, there are definitely some ones here that are going to resonate for longtime listeners. Uh, He is the director of The Boy, Mm. which is a personal favorite of mine. The Devil Inside, which I remember that episode of BGH. Oh, yeah. That was the one that ends on the the thing that's like, go to the website, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, that's the one. He took an L on that one directed stay alive which is the frankie muniz video game i'm kind of into i'm kind of into stay alive yeah mm-hmm. it's campy mm-hmm. yeah he's uh, there are a few more that i have not seen like separation and where separation mm. i remember did not get the best reviews but where i think is supposed to be interesting so after having seen this i feel like i need to double back and be a william brent belk uh completist yeah and so we have Isabella Furman, is that her name? Um, returning, mm-hmm. who we decided what she's like mid 20s now in real life. So they have to sort of, I don't, honestly, I have, she's I saw these people complaining about the like CG and the like, like they do That's some, the- they do some like tricks sort of, but I thought it was fine. Like, it's I mean, all for like perspective stuff, isn't it? I don't think they do CG. I felt like there was a couple of shots where her see- body looked real small. Did you guys happen to see the photo, the behind the scene photos no. of her with the cast? Where everybody has platforms on about this. Oh, interesting! <laughs> I love that. Is that really how they like? Yes, I, I will. So it's okay. it's like purple rain. So what you said oh in the email God. about Julie Stiles on an apple crate is like literally. Yeah. It's like literally. purple rain. Okay, that would be so awkward. How would you do your job effectively? Like, how could it. you do that? Um, and of course, there's a prequel. Um, so the mother is played by Julia Stiles and there's no one else that I recognize. I'm sure that they're lovely actors who've done other things, but Julia Stiles would be the notable one. I feel like. Yeah. So this movie opens with a title card that we're in. um, I don't even remember. Was it Latvia? Is that what it said? Estonia. Estonia in 2007. And we open up on this like kind of amazing scene where what's her name? It's not Esther. In real life, right? It's something else. I know. It's like Lan- Lan- Lena. 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 Yes. So she is being basically, we, she's being held in a very like Soviet block, like brutalist mental institution, basically, I guess is how I would describe it. Um, it's been, it, it is sort of uh, described as a gulag several times later throughout the movie. Not a driving arts program. Yeah. Very gray <laughs> yeah. and dark and like um, very horror movie-ish, low lighting, whatever. And she's basically being treated like Hannibal Lecter, which is amazing. She's Michael Myers. She yes. was like. <laughs> she's like Michael Myers at the beginning of Halloween 4 where they're like, don't underestimate like, her. Off the bat, you're like, okay, cool. Yes. And I you've got this like mousy, innocent, like art therapist lady who's going to like, I guess, work with her, which is, I just love that part of the script because you can you cannot 
write a character more just coded as innocent than art therapist, right? Like yeah. she's like an art therapist and work on children. And so she comes in and she's sort of our entryway POV into this like facility. And then we basically witness the like diabolical escape of the orphan. She then um I'm trying to remember. Does she kill the she forces the lady to drive her to her her home basically? She hides right? in the car. Oh, she hides in the car. She kills the woman when they get there. And then she starts like doing some research and she finds like an orphan that kind of looks like her. (laughs) There's a scene where she's trying to match up a face. No, she found a missing child that looked like her. Right. Well, that's what I, sorry. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. I realize that's not the same thing. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) She finds a missing child that looks a lot like her so that when the police shows up and they show up and they're like, where your parents or no, she leaves there. It's when she she goes to like a playground and like an officer approaches her. You're really good at that. Thank you. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, he's like, where are your parents? And she says, my parents are in the U.S. So that's like the what ha- how it starts. She's then um, flown to the U. Or she is. She meets up with her parents. She goes to the United States. This is Julie Stiles and this other dude. They're like. He's a painter. She's like involved in this like uh, charity world and they're very like well-to-do and they've got this very like um, American psycho waspy looking son that's around and they take her into the house. And so that setup is kind of similar to the first movie and a different like right away though, the like child psychologist sort of is calling into question what's going on here. because She has a weird encounter with her. The police officer who originally investigated the girl's disappearance is also like kind of poking around and he seems pretty um, suspicious of Esther right away. So pretty quickly, Esther's like on the defense here. Um, And then about an hour in, there's like a huge massive twist, which we'll get to here in a moment. I wanted to kind of go around the room first, but so let's just kick it off here and um, tell me, uh, tell me what you thought, Elizabeth. Um, so this movie was massively entertaining. It, um, is the only movie I've started past, I would say like 10 PM in the past handful of months that I've not at any moment been like, I'm going to fall asleep. I should probably finish this later. I was totally in the entire time. Um, I, lo- I was thinking plug it up the whole time. Cause it's such a monstrous motherhood movie in a lot of ways we'll get to, but, um, so it was neat to see, yeah, just for it to lean into the sort of monstrous feminine trope on a dual angle so, somewhat. Uh, okay, I'll wait till we get to the spoilers. I'm, I'm a fan. It was good. There, it, it suffered from what I think a lot of prequel, requel sequels do, where um, they want to use the formula that drew the initial fans and audience in effectively, but sort of retread some of the same ground that has been laid. Like, it, there were very familiar plot points that, you know. It definitely had moments, so it was, it was entertaining. Casey? Uh, I had no idea about this movie until, well, you know, when you were talking about, hey, it's coming out on Peacock next week, like two weeks ago, so I didn't know it was coming. I enjoyed the first one for what it was. It wasn't anything that I, like, revisited a bunch of times for, for me, but I enjoyed it. And 
sitting down, I expected more of the same for that one. And I was pretty surprised. I was really engaged in this movie and it really kind of pit, it took off from the very beginning and they kept the pace up throughout the whole thing. And that really worked for me. And I think Isabella Furman was great and pulling us through this. Julia Stiles was great too. Uh, and there's the, once we get to the twist that, that, legit left me with my jaw hanging open a little bit and we'll get into the details but after that point i'm like oh hell well let's see where it goes because <laughs> it was exciting that exciting and because he still had like 40 minutes left at that point. i know like, well, there's right. a whole damn movie like what yeah <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> um until then it got good yeah i agree i went into this i really enjoyed the first movie and i really thought that like i knew what this was gonna be going in but the twist really got me i gotta say um because it started to go that way and then it really went a different direction um and the the energy of this like you all are talking about like is pretty up the whole time i did not feel the length at no point did it lose me it kind of had some of the fight scenes had the energy of like mom and dad in a way that was pretty great the gore was pretty great i forgot about um, that movie. yeah and i just believed the characters like i absolutely believed mm-hmm. the son and it was fun to see julia styles in this kind of role which i'm not sure has been but her it, wheelhouse it's pretty great i did i would did mean to jump in on your uh, talk there but oh, julia no, no. styles has been retired like not semi-retired or something for, she has been gone from the scene for a bit hasn't she i have not seen her in she did the mission impossible movies or was it oh uh, that's right she's she, in those she did does i know she cut way back she's but it was in those, kind of cool uh, to see her back she's was at, it the born identity she's films? at least she's like a side uh, yeah. character she's like a yeah a side character in all those born movies well the note she strikes as this character is very interesting and she does it so like precisely at the moment she needs to that it's like it's very effective it is she's, yeah, she's fun uh rachel yeah. what do you think this movie is absurd. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and yet it has, it's so much better than in a prequel of Orphan has any right to be. Um, I mean, I think it's because the movie absolutely understands the assignment. And that is to lean into the absurdity, to embrace the twist, and to, I think, kind of go in an unexpected direction. Because I think when you sit down to watch an Orphan film, you're like immediately trying to spot the twist. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily see it coming so i think in that regard it does it does uh, a pretty good job i think the other thing that you sit down it you know and you're like okay how is this de-aging gonna go i think the first photo i saw was terrible and i was like this is gonna be hilarious unintentionally but in some ways because of like the ridiculous use of body doubles and things like that it was actually pretty charming and at some point i stopped noticing and i was like yeah. you know she does look really young <laughs> and i don't know if that's it gives you stockholm syndrome yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's because it's anchored like you guys are saying by these two like totally sincere performances mm-hmm. like both isabel Furman is and uh, julia styles are like fully in fully yeah in. yeah the, like emotional side of it but then also the camp when that turns right okay so i wrote elevated camp in my notes yes. like, it's very like yeah, yeah, it's like art house camp. Like it's yeah. That's yeah. I wrote elevated penny dreadful. That's, That's so good yeah. that you said that in the email too. That's I mean the on. the least surprising thing I read 
this evening was that this guy also had to do with the boy because the vibe is I mean, so Graham, similar. So, so similar. similar. Yeah. yeah. He has carved this very specific niche for himself in horror. Like Jordan Peele's owns political horror. Ari Aster owns like this trauma is, horror. This is but honestly this is like he's the B movie king. Yeah, I don't like, know. When, when, when the Blum is out talking about how they love to make these little $5 million thriller movies. This is the kind of shit I wish they were making instead. And I feel like maybe at one point Blumhouse did make stuff like this, but it's just all gotten like the edges sanded off of it now. It's like M. Night who's not up his own ass. Like Uh, it's, it's, (laughs) yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love this silly little movie. Um, (laughs) we were, Elizabeth and I were rewatching the original last week. I only made it through like half of it, but I was like, holy shit, I forgot how, batshit crazy this Traumatic. movie is. it's like, very intense yeah. absolutely <laughs> insane um and i remember us all really liking it back in the day when we reviewed it and it getting a lot of buzz in general i'm really really not into like any kind of sequel or prequel these days like i just am so burned out on it i just don't care but i was semi-intrigued by this because i'm like even before watching it, it was kind of just like well you're not going to make an orphan movie unless you got some real weird shit going on right like it's gotta there's gotta be something there and it turns out they had an idea to go with and that's pretty cool um one a couple things i like about it is it gets to the suspicion part really quick because they know like okay we've done this once we need it to get where we're going but we're not going to draw it out for the whole movie, which as an impatient person, I very much appreciated. Once we get into spoilers, I feel like they're commenting on this themselves in a meta way where like Julia Stiles literally is like, Buster can't disappear twice. Like they know they had to like kind of bring it, like right. do something a little different than just the X, Y, Z. Well, and so, and I do think it's really anchored by the performances of the two leading women and the way that they play off of each other. There's this tension throughout the whole thing. And even these little like kind of rehash scenes in the beginning where she's creeping around and being creepy, like they're really effective um, because of, I think of the acting and the way they're set up. So the twist is amazing. It's completely (laughs) out of left field. It's so unpredictable. Um, That's the moment when the movie turns like full on camp and it embraces it and I love it. There's like no attempt to paper mm-hmm. over the campiness of how hard that turn is. And Ju- it just California rolls into, like yeah. literally it's just like in this, the middle of the scene. Julia like. Stiles <laughs> kills that scene. She's like a boss in that scene. I love it. And then it'd be, and then, and it's kind of one of my favorite kind. It happens an hour in, so it doesn't even make wait that long. There's still 40 minutes left. And it's one of my favorite kind of twists in that it recontextualizes the whole movie while it's still happening. Like yeah. everyone loves a good six sense, like last five minute twist. But if there's something really fun about doing that with 40 minutes left, because then it's like you mm-hmm. get to just rewrite all the rules of everything you've already done. And it makes it feel exciting because as the viewer, you're like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen now, which mm-hmm. for me in a sea of like incredibly predictable horror films all the time, I feel like I relish this shit when I'm like, Strap in, boys. Let's do this. I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> like, I, I got the same feels from Malignant. Like, whenever yeah, it's like... that's fair, for sure. Just absurd. Like, when it's that level of, like, you have so, to buy in so completely. I fucking loved it. It's really it's really fun. It's a ton of fun. And it, it's, I, I, I believe, much like The Boy, which to me also had one of my, like, all-time favorite twists, this is a movie when I'm, like, uh, recollecting at the end of this year, I will 
I'm going to remember this movie and I'm going to remember the twist. And I'm still going to be asking what that werewolf movie was about that we talk about. Like, but I will not forget this one. (laughs) Um, So before we roll into the rest, Elizabeth, do you want to detail what the twist is? Oh, oh. Um, So the twist is that uh, this is not quite the like innocent unsuspecting family slash Mark that uh, our main character is hoping. And in the middle of a scene that's already very fraught where someone's life is at stake, very tense, Julia Stiles comes in and like reveals herself to be an even sort of bigger bad than the supposed orphan. Like she's like, Oh, I know you're fake because um, our daughter is dead because I basically like watched my son kill her. <laughs> and so now you got to do this. So, uh, so you sad. signed up for the wrong family. And like now I'm going to need you to do X, Y, Z and convince my husband because he doesn't know anything. And like our sex is better now that you're back. Thanks. <laughs> she says and that. <laughs> um, we got to keep this like rolling. I wonder what would happen to me personally, Elizabeth, like she's got to age at some point. Like there has to be a long-term plan here. It's but it's brilliant because, and she makes the point. She's like, well, uh, listen, now you're here. Like I, my daughter, my daughter can't just disappear again. So you're, that's ass what is I here. mean. So I like, feel like that was a yeah. little wink and a nod to like, they, they were very aware that they were like in a space. I mean, before and before the rest cool. of the movie even goes on, it's fun because it's recontextualizing everything. Like this whole early scene where they're on the plane together, like well, any scene yeah. that they're alone together, because she knows. Yeah. I mean, like, and totally. every interaction with her brother yeah. up to mm-hmm. that point too, it recontextualizes yeah. all of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so fun to see like the twist where you have like you like you're saying at the beginning, she's being treated like Hannibal Lecter, but she's so thrown. Yes, yes, Esther is so thrown by this that you know. Right. What's scarier than Hannibal Lecter? The one percent. <laughs> that's the true right. monster. <laughs> Anybody who bragged about coming over on the Mayflower, run! <laughs> Fucking murder Martha Stewart is scarier than yeah. yes. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting too because this movie turns Esther, who was our villain in the first film, into kind of an anti-hero. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this movie wants you to root for Esther in a way. Like, I mean, even down to like she yeah. has the animal she doesn't torture. I mean, like I was sitting there saw that. Right? Like, I don't know. Oh, they're a hundred percent doing that on like, That's that interesting because I do see that. I don't think I found myself rooting for her, but I was really yeah. enjoying like kind of turns you just really in- wanted that brother to win the fencing tournament. Didn't you? <laughs> it kind of turns yeah. into like, but it kind of turns into like a fun villain standoff in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. cause Esther's still creepy. Like she's still, oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Like, you're not necessarily rooting for well, her. But, I, also but then, like, but then there's these great, as bad as those but guys. There's a I whole, like there are people in the mom, the mom, uh, Julia Stiles can be like, uh, that's pathetic. What are you going to do? Be like, oh, I'm not the girl you adopted. I'm well, and there's a great, criminal like, dwarf. Right. So there's great <laughs> um, scenes, her, like scenes and then montages where they're kind of needling each other around other people, right. which is really fun. Like it, there's a whole yeah. montage where there. She's like, okay, your favorite color is pink. And then we're seeing her like how she's sort of positioning her in front of other people and all this stuff. It's fascinating. In a way, you really are kind of rooting for 
Esther, as that happens, though, because you're watching her adapt to that situation, and you can kind of see her adapting on the fly and how she's going to work her way out, and you can almost see the gears turning in her head. Yeah, so I think I'm maybe the only one that wasn't then. (laughs) I just find her so unsettling on so many levels that I did not, I wanted everyone to die in that fire, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there was no scenario, but I knew she didn't, because I've seen what she did to Vera Farmiga, which, you know, terrible. Yeah. At what point did you guys know this was a prequel? Because I had to like Google it. I was like, wait, where am I in the time? I had seen it. I had seen it. I I guess I assumed because of the name. First first mm. yeah, I think, Which is weird. Yeah. That's not something and I, I had seen it enough like in the press run up to that I knew. I think I knew for sure when I think Elizabeth was reading it off at the beginning <laughs> that it was a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah. I mean, it could have easily just got been it could have easily been a sequel too, just because the way she works that you could easily see them transitioning out of the first movie into this one. So it's kind of interesting as far as these prequels go and whatnot. Cause usually a lot of times they like to go to the period route, you know, go way back or in whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat to see it that that's that close to, to see how crazy Esther's journey's been too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also interesting kind of, recontextualizes the first film a little bit like the right. dynamic between her and Vera Farmiga the dynamic between her and her husband all she has of those a very things. specific kink <laughs> she's so she so horny for dads adoptive daddies <laughs> yeah, like her, that's her lane and she's staying in it yeah oh man the like you know what gets me is the false teeth which the removal of the false oh, teeth that scene was oh I literally can't I can't even watch because I forgot that that was, that a that was like a movie. thing in the first movie too where did yeah. she get those where did she get those perfectly They're called, sculpted In the, in the Toddlers and Tierra world, aren't those like flippers? Yeah, flippers. Yeah. Uh, flippers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe she took it off of some baby beauty queen. I don't know. Thanks for that piece of information. That's now my brain. <laughs> and now you know that. <laughs> well, Eric, if you go to the dentist and get a couple crowns, they'll give you a nice set of flippers. I know. Cover it up I as want, you go through the months-long process. I want nothing to do with flippers. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of interesting i was kind of fascinated by like that this is a little bit of a spoiler for something that's been out for a while but like the device in this and titan being so similar. yes yes i had yeah. the same thought yes and in, especially in the binding right because presumably she's not shaped mm-hmm. like a 10 year old mm-hmm. but well she but she does have a like a form of dwarfism though right they say like yeah don't they say that she's like a 10 year old physically at some point? They say that, but then we also see her. Binding. We see her, but well, yeah, yeah, I mean, see her has, it's proportional, which means, right. uh, yeah. but I don't think that's the same thing as like not sexually. Like well, right? right. Because then in the first movie, there's the whole bath thing too. Well, she's got to be sexually mature because she's into dads, right? It's true. <laughs> she's got the urges. So <laughs> I mean, I so yeah, she's developed that way. <laughs> the urges. <laughs> oh, she's got the urges. <laughs> that was adorable. Uh, can we get some favorite scenes? What are our favorite scenes of this, like individual I mean, scenes? I think the killing of the Chomo at the beginning was pretty great, and the killing of the brother were probably like my two high high points of the film. Oh, it's yeah. so funny how like again they're treating her like Hannibal Lecter, but it's just that easy for this guard who apparently is unaware of all this to just walk like give her a gift and walk I don't like think it's scared. I know, but like <laughs> you know. She presumably yeah. murdered an art teacher or something. He That's, also has the urges. Well, <laughs> yeah. He's got a husband's bulge. 
<laughs> I mean, and deniability for the urges because she's an adult, right? Right, it's true. It's the loophole, Chomo loophole. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Title of her I film. will say, I felt. <laughs> I will say, like there was a level, a degree of more, like more of comfort that I had watching this movie versus the first one, knowing that she was like thirteen or something when they shot it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we mentioned, somebody was, mentioned that last yeah, week yeah, towards the end about those scenes with her knowing she was 12 and those scenes where she was coming on to the dad in that first movie is just unsettling. Right, yeah. yeah. I did get a good... Uh, so my favorite scene goes back to when uh, she kills the detective that was the detective from when the real girl she's impersonating disappeared. He was the detective on the case and he sees she's come back. He's sniffing around cause he's suspicious or whatever. When she kills him off, that was my favorite scene. Cause that was the scene that keyed off the entire twist. So just in that tiny moment where you see him drop and you see Julia styles come up behind her and then shoot that cop. That's what left my jaw hanging. Cause you're sitting there in that moment. I haven't done that in a movie in a long time. You're just like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> right because you weren't expecting that so well like, again nice like surprise. yeah like it pops off a lot faster in general yeah because it's literally like boom 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 and there you're, you're in it yeah yeah Which, i was laughing really hard on the email email thread um when matilda was saying she wondered if anybody involved with this film has met a real therapist <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like having just be on i've only been on one side of that um scenario but yes it's a huge pet peeve in movies and TV when like we talk about it all the time. These therapists, it's just like, oh my gosh, like this is so blatantly just like a plot device. Like, no therapist says this. This is not how therapy works. No therapist walks into a psychiatric prison <laughs> on their first day and it's like, I just always wanted to help people. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they're, they, you just show up wherever it is you want to do the most good and they're like, just go. Well, and if the uh <laughs> If she does happen to wander into the prison and say, I just like to help people, the warden's probably not going to give her the most violent girl in the prison that's in well, your that job if you say that. I yeah. also like how, like, instead of giving her, there's plenty of time when she first gets there to give her all the information she would need to avoid the scenario she ends up in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's plenty of time to warn her exactly about the situation going on, but then he hesitates for like a minute and then the alarm goes off and then like everything goes to shit. Yeah. Even yeah. when the alarm went off, he could have been like, Hey, look for like a crazy little girl. That's what we're looking for. Like he doesn't say a <laughs> word to her about what's happening. She looks like a vampire. Yeah. You'll know her when you see her. You see a Victorian doll come to life. She's a velvet (laughs) ribbon. Are you familiar with the story of the green ribbon? I loved that story when I was younger. So Mm -hmm. I love that angle of this. I do do like that this is another one of the sort of like ripped from the headlines kind of films. I think it continues that legacy of the first one where we had the the real story, whereas this one is kind of like, I don't know if you guys have seen that documentary, The Imposter. That is it. What did I tell you? I was telling Eric earlier, I was like, this is giving me vibes of this documentary. I cannot think of the name of it, but it's very, very similar. Just yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good countermeasure to people who would be like, this is preposterous, which it is. It, it is preposterous, but it's yeah. also... Truth is stranger than But, yeah, and you know, yeah. like, I... Because somebody on Instagram brought up the like body doubles and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm watching an orphan movie in 2022. So at that point, I'm like pretty willing to go on the journey with you. And there's something. Shalo and Ben are back. There's like, something to be. There's something to be said about a director and a team 
and actors that like lean heavy, like unapologetically into the camp, like just Mm -hmm. authentically making a batch of crazy movie with no like self, no like apparent self-consciousness about it. That's what makes it fun. And when you have, when you can achieve that, I'm going to give you so much leeway with whatever dumb shit you're going to do. That's totally what it is. It's like, there's a confidence about these films that like, you just don't question what's happening because it's like, well, it's so boldly doing. I mean, like when the when the twist to ask questions of when the twist out loud the first time I figured out that they had the you know the little eleven year old girl with what looked like a CGI head (laughs) the shots from the back (laughs) run through the hallways Mm -hmm. and they kept going back to it and I was still chuckling, but like Eric said, after a while they keep showing it and they're owning it. But listen to though, I don't like (laughs) listen the sliver of people on Earth that saw the first orphan. And remember it as well as we do. And then so like, that's very <laughs> slim. Yeah. Your average person, I guarantee right. you is not going to notice or care about any One of, of my this. clients today was like, have you seen any good movies? I was like, yeah, last night I watched this movie. It was a sequel, well, a prequel to this movie called orphan. That was kind of based on a true story about this, like Romanian girl who like was actually 30. And basically this woman was just like, I wish, can you stop talking? I didn't ask that. And I was like, this but is it's like, hard, you know, like, that, that just, kind of, that kind of unapologetic confident vibe is to me what makes the boy so good also like yes. when the twist yeah. happened in the boy i was literally like call like, the I have call a crush the on that movie it is so cocky. i was just it like so confident i was like call <laughs> call the academy because this is the greatest movie i've ever seen yes i had a very similar <laughs> thought like for real yeah. i love it Dude in the Wall is an underappreciated subgenre. Oh my god! You put a dude in a wall. If he comes out of a wall at some point during the movie, I'm in. And you know what's funny is I I I confidently can say because I've had so many people say this to me that I single handedly ruined the boy for so many people by being so high on (laughs) it before people saw it. (laughs) I'm sure there's a number of people out there who watched it on my suggest very enthusiastic suggestion. To which I would say that's your fault for listening to horror podcasts. Why don't you do that? I don't do that. That's true. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this movie is so camp that it literally, the the climax of it takes place on like the rooftop of a house that's on fire. Like, it's like the end of So I Married an Axe Murderer meets Mommy Dearest. Isn't the good son also? Oh, and the bad sea. Like, I feel like there's so many like. And by the way, the the flipper, the flipper uh, is integral there to that final scene. It flipped at the wrong moment. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was like, I kind of missed how that interaction went down. Like, did he? Did she take them off? Did he take them no, off? No, he was like holding her was, face, was, and it, it kind of like, like, because I watched that part <laughs> twice, and I was like, oh, because like you're immediately like gross, and then like, oh damn, girl, like that's not the move. Yeah, yeah, that's keep that on. Work. <laughs> <laughs> He's not gonna like you or like like you now. Oh, man. <laughs> Some of the conversations with like Julia Stiles taunting her about how she's never gonna like have her husband are so, so insane and, amazing. and like, yeah, yeah, it's just I'm gonna go upstairs and, like, and fuck my husband. Her <laughs> yeah, holding her hair at the train station was one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like that train scene I, reminded me of. Um, uh, I know we can't really talk about him now. What was that that Netflix show with Kevin Spacey? Where he's like the president. That reminds oh, me. Oh my yes. god! Yes. The end of season one. <laughs> like I just I saw that again for the first. Honestly, time. legit too. That was the last moment that show was good. Was when they killed totally. that character yeah. off. 
But amazing. That show, we can't remember the name of it in our house, so we call it Washington Nasties. Yes, that's great. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, really, what is the name of that goddamn show? I have no Can idea. Can you just name everything in my life? Like, I think I it's House of Cards. House of Cards. Yes. House of Cards. Yes. 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 Washington Nasties. Washington. The Washington Nasties is clearer. I like we it. all know what we're talking about. <laughs> my first guess was going to be king of the hill so <laughs> <laughs> it's a better title should they should have gone yeah. with that one yeah <laughs> any other uh scenes in this year uh movie that y'all liked i did like watching her slap her brother twice in the face does that yeah. count yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he threatens her she just slaps him again see this is what i'm saying she is a hero. <laughs> yeah. You know, I understand. It was pretty into the smoothie. Yeah. Oh yeah. god, that was so gross. Yes. <laughs> what was that? Wait, what was I just missed the, the smoothie. smoothie? Oh, just oh, for mommy. Oh. Just for uh-huh. mommy. Yeah. She says something really funny to the rat too, but I kind of have missed it. When the rat's in the wall, she says, like, I'm sorry you live here or something like sorry that. Sorry you live here. To the rat in the wall. Like what? <laughs> why oh man it really is funny though like it's cool to see i mean i think it's just the whole crux of why the movie's fun is watching the the tables get turned on the esther character who's like this sort of opportunistic parasitic person to have her realize she's in over her head like there's some really great acting moments there from her where she, her awareness is changing about the situation she's in and she's kind of put out now like it's not fun to her anymore because before yeah. that, it's like gleeful, sort of her, the, her, the way mm-hmm. she's kind of. So that's just a lot of fun watching that juxtaposition. Well, it's also fun if you think of that, like what, what, what you're saying, and you think of this as a whole with the first movie and this movie. So technically, in the first movie, we have seen her learn from her mistakes and gotten, gotten even better and further in that first movie right. with that family. Yeah, so that was a, right. I feel like she's really got some rules after this, like no siblings. I right. And if they didn't have pets, they need to just be like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to give myself all these obstacles. It serves as a great bit of uh, background building for Esther, really, though. If they want to do more Esther movies, oh that's they, we've got a really fleshed out character now. They can keep going. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, I, like I, I, I do have one complaint, <laughs> and I've decided I'm now going to, every week I see this, I'm going to complain about this. It was the same thing was going on in Prey. This has been going on for a long time in Hollywood, but this um, color scheme they use where everything is only teal or orange. So you can look this up. This has been a a big thing in Hollywood where there's some kind of science behind it. Like apparently orange and teal are the two colors with the highest amount of contrast between each other. And so what they do is they put these, they put filters over all of the film that basically pop those colors out over everything else. So if you go back and really look at this movie, is really bad about it. Everything is a hue of orange or blue. You think you're seeing other colors, but once you start looking at it, you will not unsee it. It's like every modern movie. Thrillers and horror movies are worse. I, there's been some really good articles out there where people show examples and talk about the like color theory behind why movies do you this. You said it the other night when we were watching something, and I, I like almost couldn't watch it. But the rest of it. movies, like, oh God, so movies were not like this when we were growing up. This is was yeah. more like a 2010s thing. And again, like there's some like color theory behind as to why it's like visually appealing. I don't understand what has to be every movie and it's making every movie feel so visually samey to me. And it's just mm-hmm. awful in this movie. I could, I, it was very distracting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of the like blue and pink neon, which is just like yeah. code for I will, uh, 80s throwback. I don't in, know. In the break here, I'll mm-hmm. find uh, it's a subtle, like I said, it's like a subtle thing. 
And then once you see it, you'll never be able to unsee it. So I'm just going to see like a Howard Johnson. <laughs> right. Like, isn't that the teal and salmon kind of looking hotels? I, um, I know they got the orange color for the roof. I, I, it may used to be teal. The last I time the, I was at a Hojo's, I was like probably five. So I don't think they exist <laughs> anymore. Do they? You're ahead of their time. A Hojo. Yeah. The I remember Hojo. going to a Hojo's when I went to, to the baseball hall of fame when I was a kid in Cooperstown, New York. Fun story. Um, all right. I guess that's it for uh, the review portion of our evening. Uh, would you recommend this movie, Elizabeth? I would, yes. Casey? Yes. Tilly? Yes. Rachel? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Same Z's. I think we got a little um, top 10 list action here on the other side, so get excited for that. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. He jumped. I was like, it's okay, honey, you'll be all right. So you're just on the edge the whole time. Being able to scream in the theater, it's fun. The best scary movie since The Sixth Sense. You'll have a spooky good time. The scariest movie I've ever seen. The Ring, ready PG-13. Now playing. I'm Ray Wise from Twin Peaks, and you are listening to Bloody Good Horror. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we are back. Uh, after the show, if you guys are interested, people on the show, I, I put a link in the email thread that talks about all this. And has a bunch of stills. If you Google Hollywood orange and teal, there's like seven million articles. But I sent one. All right, let's look also, at my top. If, anyone's, if anyone cares, uh, John Schnars rated The Devil Inside one star. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's look at my top ten list. All right, we got. I'm um, going one to ten here. Nope. X. Prey. Mad God. Spine of Night. It's a real solid top five there. Feeling pretty good about all that. Uh, bottom five, not so much. Watcher, I literally don't know. Oh, that's the uh, Ukraine. Or no, is it U where they moved to Ukraine or something? I don't know. Fresh. It sounds good. Scream. The You know, this is the week that the curse goes because I'm not going to pretend like I know what that movie is anymore. <laughs> There's um, no one to ask. It. You're like, we're not going to Google it and be like, it's this one. So, man, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move Watcher down to nine. This is very important. Uh, right now, I'm going to put this at six. Ooh. I love me this this Brent Bell person. He, he needs my support. You know, I want to make more movies. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to put that above Fresh, Scream, Watcher, and Torn Hearts. As of now. All right. I, I, love, what I, I love what I love. 
<laughs> Love wins. <laughs> um, so let's uh, hear a little bit about what everybody has going on. Rachel, you want to tell us about what's going on at the Zombie Girls? Sure. Uh, this week was like kind of big for our More Deadly Directors Cut, which is kind of like the little mini spinoff of More Deadly where we review or we speak to like women directors who have films coming out. Um, we spoke with Rebecca McKendry, who directed Glorious, which is I keep describing it as the smartest glory hole movie I've ever seen. And I stand by it. I'm sorry. You heard me correctly. (laughs) It is a movie about a glory hole that will make you think about life and the cosmos. Okay. I mean, don't glory holes in general just make you think about life? To be fair. I mean, they'll definitely make you think about your life choices. I'm not uninterested in this movie. And we also spoke with uh, Alice Mayo McKay, who is the 18 year old director of the film. So Vam, uh, which also came out on shutter this week, uh, which is like a trans queer vampire film. She has like two more films already in the can. She shot that film when she was 16. Nuts, nuts. Wow. And then we also had friend of the pod, Jason, on an episode of More Deadly, where we reviewed uh, Freddy's Dead, his movie. favorite woman directed horror film. It's very good, which was a ton of fun. He's great. Some pretty sick Wizard of Oz reference, whole scene in that movie. Yeah. Yep. Good times. Yep. It's also did a movie you, where you're playing with power. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it with the 3D? I did not. So I have the spiritually maybe the og um, i have the og nightmare on elm street dvd box set which comes with a second disc that has the 3d version on it and glasses you can watch it with very cool nightmare on elm street branded 3d glasses does it work does the 3d i've never done it so i couldn't tell you (laughs) oh you know what i think i have that set too i feel like traditionally when i was a kid i remember red blue 3d doing absolutely nothing for me so i remember being disappointed quite a few times by those in fact you know weirdly one of like the one of the few 3d experiences i remember even from a kid do you remember i want to say it was like 1990 michael jackson did the super bowl halftime show no no I do. And didn't yeah. you get your glasses from Pepsi or something? You had something? to get your like, glasses from like convenience stores or like anywhere yes, that sold. Yes, like, totally yeah, I made Pepsi. That. that makes sense. But what was weird is they were yellow and purple 3D glasses. Mm. Um, for some reason, I remember that. But I'm not sure that. Were I, they teal and orange, though? Mm, That's the question. I never. <laughs> but I never saw a 3D movie in the theater from that like original 80s. I was just too young. I don't know. Casey, did you ever see a 3D movie in the theater? Oh yeah, I saw one of the fr- the Friday the Thirteenth three D one in the theater. That sounds cool. that sounds like it would have been fun. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and so get that one. I remember enjoying the three D quite a bit. Yeah, there was a couple scenes where they swung like a machete out towards the crowd or something. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty effective when you were a kid. They also. I the- made everyone of my friends go see my bloody Valentine 3d with me, whatever year that came out. Cause it was near my birthday that it was. That released. 3d was insane. That was pretty good 3d. Well, because yeah. they shot. It's like they shot that entire movie with one of those 3d cameras. And so like, yeah, I remember the promo. So what ended up happening with a lot of those? And I guess they're still making somewhere. Some of these movies really, but what ended up happening with a lot of them is to save money. They would only shoot certain scenes in 3d, which was, I always thought was really cheap. What's amazing about my bloody Valentine 3d is all of it is like ridiculous 3d. 3D. Like you're sitting in a diner 
And the 3D is like, whoa, like they're just having a conversation. <laughs> it's wild. Like, and that movie already is kind of a ride. Like, I had I know. the best time with that. I know, it's pretty good. But um, yeah, so um, I love Freddy's Dead. It's great. Good shit. Um, Elizabeth, where, what have you been up to? Where can people find you? Um, I've just, you know, just been mom life, cutting hair, doing some pod stuff. Uh, but you, I, I am on Cinewando's YouTube channel pretty frequently discussing, um, international releases and doing trailer reactions, um, and music videos, uh, reactions from, different Bollywood releases. It's really fun. I've so watched some of, I've watched some of those international movies with you. Yes, you have. <laughs> They're really we just have a really fun time. And that's uh Kathy, friend of Bloody Good Horror. So that's Cinemondo C I N E M O N M O N D O. And of course we just got a Slack together for it, which has been fun, except for the time difference is so wacky that once a day I'm like so you're in the future, like you're 12 hours. I don't understand because yeah. I'll be like, oh yeah, it's no, it's tomorrow. I'm like, I don't get this, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, when, where can people find you on social? Um, on all socials. I am at final girl scout. Love it. So check out final girl scout and zombie girls. G R R L Z. Casey, where <laughs> Casey, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram. Most of the time these days, <clears throat> Excuse me, cinema dot Um, most of my free time's in the art world now, so and that's where I post all of that. So come find me, say hi. Love it. And same, yeah, I spend most of my time on either Instagram or Twitter, because I'm an elder millennial, and that's where you find us. Uh <laughs> and I'm Eric BGH on there. So check it out. All right. Email info. Matilda, what's your social? I gotta make sure I'm following you. Oh, uh my Instagram is Tilly. Likes dancing. Adorable. Tilly likes dancing. And uh, I just joined Twitter because I'm a crusty Gen Xer and I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I am a Cali Pigeon on there. C-A-L-I Pigeon. Love to find you. You and Casey are resident Gen Xers. Yep. Yep, they're the only ones in that generation here. <laughs> <laughs> you are not older than me, Rachel. Oh, I'm ancient. There's no way. We, I, know I, we, we, I was born at the dawn of time. We had this conversation a few weeks ago, and I don't remember what, how it turned well, out. I need so. to know. Oh, I'm old. She's the end. She's the endless. She's okay, I just, <laughs> I just turned. It's just death becomes her. I need the pen. Y'all got to tell me where to go. I just turned 40 <laughs> for reference. Yeah. I am older than that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You're not a, good for you. You're not close Four to in like two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You're not, you're not very, quite up. Very immature. You're not quite up to my end <laughs> of the spectrum. Fabulous skin. Yeah. yeah. I know. I would, okay, like, I'm up with you. Never would have yeah. guessed that in a million years. Go you. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com is the email address. First up from Adam. Hey there. I listened to your podcast on Day Shift, a movie I literally f- forgot about until he emailed. <laughs> and noted your comment about its similarities with Lethal Weapon. Perhaps others have brought this up already. But early in Lethal Weapon 3, the villain also offs a disobedient underling in cement at a housing development. I imagine there are more similarities, but I just can't see how finding them would be worth my time. 
<laughs> that is the best sign off. <laughs> yeah, completely fair. Next up, Kyle writing in to hopefully encourage a black phone episode. Like Eric and Casey, my friends were also very divided on this one. I personally loved it. While I have a few friends that it did absolutely nothing for, was looking forward to hearing you guys discuss it and hopefully help me to figure out what makes this one so divisive. Thanks for all you do, Kyle. I did see that in the theater. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Just right now, off the cuff. Yes. I y'all, I was not a fan. Interesting. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I thought it was. It. I thought it was like really one it. of the most boring things I've seen this year, and I felt like, wow. I, felt like really? I don't know that we talked about. Maybe I felt, it's more for older people. Yeah, <laughs> generational divide is right here. happening. I felt We're just like, as good as you guys. I felt like I was watching like um, an ABC like after school special that's like just a little more messed up than that. That's what I felt like I was watching. A little bit, yeah. If yeah, it I felt hate too, it. Like again, you should go back. Very orange and teal, which annoyed the shit out of me. But uh, I hated the kid. I hated that it was like from the kid's perspective. I like Ethan Hawke is fine. I hate movies where it's a one person stuck in a room. And when you make that person a child actor, I hate it even more. (laughs) Okay. Because you're just, it's a, you're just as a screenwriter, you're writing yourself in a box. Like, I don't understand why you'd ever start a screenplay that way. I'm sorry. Rant, rant's over. (laughs) <laughs> are you satisfied caller i was about <laughs> to say what you wanted and i'm pretty and sure i already did this rant podcast. i think i are already you more confused than when you asked <laughs> i think i already ranted about this like a week ago but here we are but yes it is i have seen a lot of people who like it just couldn't be me here we are last up tonight caitlin from kissimmee i'm about to make my fourth bgh pilgrimage through back episode soon Eight years oh listening, and there's so many movies I can still watch with an episode. Two things my pilgrimages never answer. I'm a huge Stephen King fanatic, and no one has ever muttered a word about Tommy Knockers? Question mark. Um, which so we'll get back oh, to that. In, we'll get back to that in a second. Multiple times people have talked about Pet Cemetery too, but no one ever mentions the wolf-headed naked woman ever. I wait for it every time, and nothing. Caitlin and Kissimmee. <laughs> so I first of all, I would just say if you'd also like to go on that journey, you can check us out at patreon.com slash bloody good horror. You can get all nearly 700 episodes of the show at this point. It's probably more recent ones are probably not there, but the feed is pretty full with that stuff. So like, but you can go back all the way to number one, despite my desire for those episodes to never come out again. So here we are. Patreon.com. Um, I've never seen Tommy Knockers at all. Neither. Yeah, it's like Jimmy Schmidt at the height of his power. And I don't know how powerful that is. <laughs> oh, like NYPD Blue? What's that? Wait, who? Jimmy, Jimmy Schmidt. Schmidt. It's a it's like a two-part made-for-TV movie, like in the Stephen King made-for-TV movie era. Like like, style. Who is Jimmy yes. Schmidt? Who yes. is this person you're talking about? Because I feel like I remember you know Jimmy it Schmidt. being a thing. I just never mm-hmm. did. It's like the lady from CSI. Oh, Jimmy Smits. That's what I said. Jimmy oh, Schmidt. Okay. Did I say it wrong? I'm hearing Schmidt every time you say it. Schmidt. I don't know. No, I yeah. Schmidt. 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 I don't know. Okay. Well, the okay. Rewind. This isn't live, right? We'll just go back. It's Jimmy <laughs> Smits at the height of his power. <laughs> oh, it was a mini. It was a mini series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Always a good sign. Was this a Langolier? So it was like, or the stand. Star- was- oh, Marge. Oh, Marge Helgenberger. Okay. Yes. I'm listening. That's it. Now are we talking? I'm Is listening. That- um, who directed this thing? I know it's the book Stephen King doesn't remember writing. Oh, Robert Carradine's in this. Tracy Lord's in this. Wow. E. That's G- the one getting stuck like a day listening. in the past, right? E.G. Marshall. No, that's Langoliers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, no, this is the alien. Langoliers we can talk about. Alien one. It's his okay. one alien. No, that's not true. He's written more alien things since then. But it's a, it's it's I'm something. To find out. This, <laughs> so this was directed it... by Tommy Knockers. is a 1993 television miniseries based on the 87 novel by the same name by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Broadcast on ABC. It was directed by John Power, adapted by Lawrence D. Cohen, and starred Marge Helgenberger and Jimmy Smits. Smits. Um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm unfamiliar with, um, John Power as a director. Okay. This quick, I'm just, we're giving Caitlin what she wants here. We're just talking about it. Um, <laughs> he's a, John. So the he was an Australian. Yeah. I'm just looking oh. at his thing to see if I recognize any of it. I don't. The dad from, um, orphan first kill is Kiefer Sutherland's brother. I was wondering if there was any relation. I saw, I saw Sutherland the I... in the title. So yeah. wait, he's also the, he's the husband in Possessor. Yes. Also. Oh, that's okay. where so I recognize him Because he has a very distinct uh, voice. Uh, married to a sociopath kind of. Uh, <laughs> 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 that's so his king. This guy, John Powers, he, um, that was John Powers. Power. He also directed Charles and Diana, colon, Unhappily Ever After, the 1992 <laughs> TV movie. I believe, I'm guaranteeing you that was on like Lifetime or something. Uh, Strangely, it was just a recut version of uh, the Ling- not the Langoliers, the Tommy Knockers. I would, you know what? So he, it would be really fun to do a staff pick and make Schnars watch the Langoliers. Not, he's not. Can you imagine? Well, there's isn't there somebody redid the yes, Langoliers or some like, like amazing a, like torn paper mm-hmm. animated version? Really? I actually really want to yeah. see it. Yeah. Looks incredible. I do believe on Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR, it was like the thing that was making someone happy one week on that segment. And mm-hmm. I was like so compelled to seek it out and find it. They sold me on it. Like I would yeah, have to be have to watch I would have to be willing to do this to myself as well because it's three hours in total. I'm used to this. Yeah. All Indian films. We had are. talked about doing it after we did the maximum overdrive bonus episode. Yeah, DJ really wants to do it. So I think at some point we're gonna have to like Crack open some bottles because um, this is not a sober journey. And the other one, um, Pet Cemetery 2. I actually don't remember the scene she's talking about, but I've, it's been literally probably okay. 30 years since I've seen. Is that Pet the one with um, that's Edward Furlong? Edward Furlong and yeah. Clancy Brown plays his yeah. dad. That's the one. I do love that, and I love the first Pet Cemetery. It's a devastating movie. Oh, I hope Ariel's listening and she heard that. We have a long-running fight about whether or not that is a good movie. It's incredible. Don't ever bring it up around my mom because you're going to have to just take a seat and listen to the story. I read that when I was seven months pregnant. It was so disturbing (laughs) that first (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Uh, That's it for email. Casey, uh, what's doing on the Twitters? Sadly, there's nothing happening on Twitter this week because we forgot to tweet out uh, our call out for questions. Oh, that's me. I guess that's. My oh, I forgot t- about it too. I thought about I guess it about that's, uh, ten minutes before we started. One of our jobs. Oh no! Now. 
Uh, okay, let's see. Question. Come on, Skizbot, where you at? You got some Instagram <laughs> stuff. Let's see. <laughs> we had a bunch actually. <clears throat> well, first it was two people making fun of me because I wrote forced kill instead of first kill on Instagram. So fuck you guys. That's cool. It's day shit all over again. <laughs> day shit. Two weeks in a row I did that. Oh. Oh. It was so funny. Forced I kill I, though. That sounds like an issue uh, with consent. Well, I saw it in my no. email and I came over to say something and like four people had beat me to it. No, I wrote, <laughs> like, I wrote, work here's done. F-O-R-S-T is what it was. I can't like, I cannot type on my phone anymore. I like fat finger everything and it drives me insane. Like it's just my eyes and my coordinate. I feel so old when I'm typing on a phone. I need one of those old people keyboards with the letters are giant and I just have too much pride. You get you a jitterbug. Dude, I I remember sitting in a meeting once at like a place I was working at and like one of the like managers sitting next to me. I remember looking over at her phone. <laughs> Is that the big phone? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a it's like an Amazon fire for like a four-year-old that are like just like rubber bumpers. <laughs> it's like four feet tall. <laughs> oh, I can't stop picturing it. <laughs> oh stop. Oh my gosh. Okay. <sighs> I looked over in a meeting once at like a manager with a phone. She had somehow found a way to like crank the size of her screen up. It must be like an accessibility feature. And I'm like, I I would never like, it's so embarrassing. I was like, do you, oh my God. I would have no friends. Like if you could just see what I was Googling all day, like everyone would be like, you're a psycho. (laughs) I had to up, I had to up the resolution on my like big monitor here at work today. And I was like, I don't feel good about this. It's a thing people don't think about when they're getting their hair done that I would, I've thought about when I've been in the chair. Like I can see everything they're texting. I'm not trying to, but like you're just like everybody with it in front of their face all day. And sometimes it's funny. Okay, now I'm like retroactively panicking about the things I've No, done. it's it's not <laughs> never anything like glaring. It's just like funny. Like people will be like, Steve Madden shoes, 1997, or like something will just be making them think of something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Just Googling some <laughs> random shit. Um, I don't really know how to answer this question, but it's kind of interesting. What was your, what has, what is your most interesting interaction you've ever had with a child, uh, that you were either a part of or witnessed? Uh, I mean, when you're a parent, it's every, when you're, goddamn, I was about to say it's, it's every parent. goddamn yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. As a parent, that would be the other night when my daughter in the middle of her tantrum was like, won't you do it because you love me? Don't you love me? And I was like, no, we're not painting your nails at nine o'clock <laughs> at night. Like, and yes, I love you. Kids, man. I have a terrible memory. I do remember one time a million years ago when I was working in retail, there was a woman who pulled up with a stroller and the kid was like, mother, like the most like creepy demonic <laughs> voice. And she's like, what is it, Dante? I was like, oh, Dante. it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then the title card flashed and it was like yes the omen 45 <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god he has wait oh i'm spacing so on the time a human three-year-old peed on my flip-flopped foot in a forever 21 oh. and the mother literally acted like she didn't see what was happening as i was jerry seinfeld style just being like really like <laughs> 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 okay 
<laughs> and then had to hobble over to like the Chico's bathroom or whatever. It's not fun, y'all. <laughs> um, next question related. This is from uh, Natalie from the To All the Men I've Tolerated podcast. What is the scariest thing about kids? I I'll tell you. I had. I mean, I had one answer for this on Instagram, and I I've been thinking They're about honesty. it more. Uh, yes, they did. Well, yeah, they had a certain age. Like, so my daughter's like six years old. So it's a combination of like. They are so honest, but then also when they're like six, they're so articulate that they can just kneecap you like with no warning. Like they can just say some shit that will just take you out emotionally. (laughs) But like just in general, though, having kids is really wild because it's like I realize this is I'm like reversing this, but it's like it's like living with an AI. Like you watch children in real time absorb information day day to day to day to day and then all of a sudden they start spitting it back to you person like all of a sudden all of a sudden they start spitting it back to you and you're like oh shit like it's almost startling when they hit those brain leaps where they start doing shit like in accelerated ways it's (laughs) it's wild man it's really crazy my answer is very dark and it's like an x-ray of children's teeth because they have like shark teeth and all the teeth like up oh, yeah. in their jaw. That yes. freaks me out. It's funny you say that like when I remember when like my kids were first born, I was like, oh man, it's so weird. They don't have teeth. But well, then like one in 30 babies are born with a full set of teeth. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's the first thing you saw? I'd be like, what? But then it's like. You get so used to it. I remember being like, oh, it's going to be weird when this kid has teeth. And it kind of is at first because you just get used to their weird little like baby mouse. I don't know. It's crazy. But there's a second row waiting up inside there. Mm-hmm. Just waiting. And little uh, tooth pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, was this better than the 2009 one? I think so. I think so. They're very nice. It was nice. more fun, I would say. Yeah, the first one was so totally fun. different. The they first are. one was more grim, but I'd say like they're really nice like companion pieces to each other. Yeah, I feel like they're a perfect set. Yeah. But here's the, the question. The first one was just what uncomfortable. What order do you watch them in? I think you have to watch the original oh. first, right? Because it would ruin the yeah. twist of the first. True. Right. That is that is interesting that now we have like a a timeline that it's it would not behoove you to follow a necessarily. Forward. Right, right. Well, it's like people who watch Star Wars from episode mm-hmm. one now. It, it ruins it, I feel like. Yes. That's weird. It's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always felt that way. I usually try to find like a, a viewer guide or if it's like a universe I'm an initiator. I mean, I'm kind of going through that now. Not that I'm well, like weirdly. So Better Call Saul just ended. Mm-hmm. And uh, did, you, did any of you guys watch it? It completely wraps around Breaking Bad. Like. It mm-hmm. does all the before and after. So it, in some ways, like the thing now almost over Breaking Bad and it recontextualizes like everything from that series. Mm. But it, it's not really a dilemma because it's only two things. So I'll just continue to watch them nonstop over and over back to back. So, but I do think I it's, think go ahead. I was going to say, I think recontextualize needs to be our Pee Wee Herman uh, word of the day uh, for this show. Yeah. <laughs> I like when things are recontextualized. <laughs> Maybe that person will write in, Jerry will write in and yell at me for using that word too many times. Oh, I used it a couple times myself. It's not just you. <laughs> um, why is Julia Stiles not in literally everything? Ah, that is an excellent right? question. By choice. Question. It must be by choice. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I hope she's making a comeback because she was awesome at this. I'd love to see her more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I kept um, thinking about Save the Last Dance since we were watching this, and I was like, damn, this is really different. Yeah. Um, oh, we lost Elizabeth. We'll, finish, we'll get her back. Um, She's like, enough of this Julia Stiles talk. I'm out of here. Next <laughs> up, did your parents ever joke that you were an orphan when you were bad? Mm. No, my mom. I, <laughs> my mom and I look near identical. I think so. It was pretty uh, obvious. <laughs> Not my parents, but my brother used to tell me that I was found in a toilet. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's horrifying. <laughs> He's a doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) next up know anything about evil dead rise next evil dead sequel i just heard it got pushed to 2023 i know that about it and i've heard it takes place in a high rise which is a cool i guess whalers hey i don't know anything about that but something that's a weird sequel news from a movie that's far too long ago to have any kind of sequels, but it, it kind of ties into evil dead because evil dead had a video game too. I did hear this week that they're making a killer clowns video game. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard that too. It's from the people that did that Friday the 13th, like multiplayer. Yeah. Game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, I was like waiting for that forever. And then I was like, okay. It's here. Yeah. It's not really my jam, but it was interesting. There's also the Hellraiser news today. We're going to get that pretty soon. On Hulu. They oh. dropped just a little teaser that's like, it's like a title crawl and you can see like a little glimpse of Jamie, Jamie Clayton, is that her name? As mm-hmm. Pinhead and it looks pretty sweet. It looks good. Yeah. <laughs> I can dig it. It's going to Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, September 29th. Let's see. Two more questions. What older horror film would you like to see a sequel to? Killer Clowns. <laughs> yeah, right? Killer Clowns. Does Big Trouble Little you know China what? count as a horror film? It's got some horror elements. My answer to this is always Chud. Isn't there, there a, is a sequel to Chud? Chud. But yeah, the Chud? That, yeah, so make another one. <laughs> or a prequel. Yeah, point? I don't give a shit. Just more Chud. Just more. Cannibalistic <laughs> humanoid underground. Because if I like, if it's something I'm like into, I... I don't know that I always want like more of a good thing. Like I feel like I'm so burned out in general. Like uh, we've done the show long enough that I've gone through all these cycles of like, it was like we were angry at remakes and originally, but then it's like, you got to get over it at some point because it was just fast and furious. Like You Benjamin buttoned. Speaking of, you went back and like age (laughs) and reverse on remakes and sequels. And now I'm just back. And because I think that at some point I truly felt like, we'll go through a cycle of this. We'll remake everything. And I didn't, I, I did not foresee our like current dark dystopian present where mm. there is no original IP anymore. Hardly. I did not understand the, how dark that shit was going to get, or I would have been, I would not have acquiesced so easily to the like wave of remakes. <laughs> I would, I would have raged into that dying night if I had known. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because it's, I mean, it's like, I You'd fucking, a manifesto I roll my eyes every time I see like a Marvel and out, like uh, Marvel makes me angry now. That's the point that it's at when I see a new Marvel thing, because the Marvel so is not watching She-Hulk, the, like the universe, the, the, the everything's got to be a universe or a sequel or a prequel. And it makes me 
sick. Like that's, it's awful. There, okay. I will say my old man feelings about that just a little are, um, like pretty little liars is my fan. I'm obsessed, 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 obsessed with the original <laughs> spinoffs, etc. I am currently reading the books and, uh, they don't need to be in the same universe as Riverdale. I don't know why that's happening except for the creators. Is that real? Yeah. Like, yes. Weird. Yeah. I don't even, I'm but, scared on a tangent. I, I think it's just an Easter egg. I don't think they're I think actually, it is I don't think it's bringing egg, which when they were starting to do it with Rosewood, I was like, this is killer. Like I'm into this when they've changed they, Riverdale so many times. How can it have a universe to be in? I don't know. <laughs> that show I, is I, ridiculous. Watched, <laughs> I watched a season or no, two seasons of that. And the last time I heard somebody summarizing to me what was happening, I was like, is this real? Like, yeah. wow. That, do I need to there go was, back? Cause it's, there's that sounds and, there's Somebody stuck in the fifties, like time travel yeah, or something. Like, I wish they had done that in the first season. I might've watched I, that's the same girl. Like, <laughs> I was like, where were y'all when I was there? I just feel like I'm at an age where I don't have time to do the homework to come in at a certain point. Super same. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the, mm-hmm. the tolerance to do the background that I would need for everybody to be like, oh, right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what killed Star Wars. That's, that's yes. what killed Star Wars for me. Like if you go back to that first new movie coming out, I was so excited. And maybe for like the next one, but I just, the series, like I'm not, I just don't care. You're missing out. Mandalorian was pretty great, but I get your point. I, I couldn't make it through it. I watched two episodes. I, I didn't care. Ugh. It didn't grab me. Remember, that was my, I made my New Year's resolution. Like for yourself. I made yeah, my New Year's resolution. Right. I was going to finish it for the end of the year. It was like eight months later, and I never got around to it. I think that ship has sailed. Yep. <laughs> All right, y'all. One more question. I'd like you to indulge me. We're going to get a little existential here. Ooh, I like more. it. Let's do it. For the old folks. Which I think is technically all of us. What did you enjoy more? Your 20s, 30s, or 40s? 40s. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I just turned <clears throat> 40, but I'm I, I could see that being true. I I think the what I said on Instagram was like, you lack context to truly enjoy what you have in your 20s, which is like freedom and opportunity and health and all this. I mean, most people, like some people don't have Eric, what you're describing. I remember the day it occurred to me. I was like, Oh, youth is wasted on the young. Right. And like, exactly. so like, so it. you, it doesn't, it's not your, listen, if you're 20, it's not your fault. It's just a cruel, harsh truth of life. Like you just don't, you will not get it until you're older. And so then like in your thirties and forties, you do like, in my experience, and I don't know if this is anybody else, but like you do become a lot more comfortable in your own skin and that can go, you can take that to really extreme direction. Like really, you can really find yourself and your path in life and find confidence in who you are. The rub of that is that at the same time, your confidence is doing this, your body is your doing body this. Is going down. And so you are now <laughs> losing the mobility. So inside, you're like, I can do anything you're, outside. Your body's like, Hold the fuck You're up. losing the mobility and the freedom in some ways. I mean, yeah, I mean, I also have like, I suffer with chronic illness. This is probably like a little more extreme for me, but like, so you are sort of forced at the same point that this is happening. You're also forced to like stare down your mortality in a way. So it's not all like roses, you know, although you can come out of that too with positive things, but. <laughs> yeah, that's hanging on to the I, 30s. I totally, 
I'm just not going to leave this land, I think. <laughs> no, thanks. Eric, I agree with everything you're saying about your 40s. And also, I just feel like I, in my 20s and 30s, there were like social expectations of me that I am like a premature old woman. Yeah. And so Same. now that I'm in my 40s, none of that is expected of me anymore in a way that I really appreciate. Like I am yeah. free to go to a knitting retreat and can uh, things. I was about to say 100%. And Let like, me read my Agatha Christie and just do my crochet. I don't want yep. to come totally. with you. <laughs> I'm happy to go to the library. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Just, and I'm yeah. much more comfortable. Like I do not do shit. I don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've agreed to like, yeah, I'll drive to downtown Indy and meet you at the bar. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it just I makes know. me tired. Exactly. <laughs> All I can think of is I'm going to, it's going to take me a half an hour to find a place to park. <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of loved my twenties. I <laughs> loved the. I was. I had so much hubris. I thought I was like untouchable. I mean, you knew you met me in my twenties, Matilda. That was wild. I did. And now I'm like, I wild feel a child. little bit like a square. Rachel would get somewhere. She would put two pint-sized Long Island iced teas in herself, and then it was on. Like yeah, but listen, had a lot of time. right? Like, so that's more of an Elizabeth type, is what you're describing. Like, if yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, if, Elizabeth, we're still gonna have fun. Here's the thing: it, going to. if you're an old soul like Matilda and I, what's nice about getting older is everyone else slows down to your speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I loved the pandemic. Everyone was just inside mm-hmm. with me, and we were just totally. chatting. Like that's all yeah. we were doing. But like my forties are pretty awesome for all the reasons that you're saying. Like I care, I care, I can do less, but I care less. And yeah, but there is a little part of me that's like, I remember when I used to go to the club. <laughs> I, you know what I miss? I miss now the club is. I, I do miss like just old swim have, dancing, like robots. going out and like yeah. I miss karaoke. I used to do that a lot. Yeah. We went downtown Sunday night. I took the kids to see uh, John Mulaney in concert at a concert amphitheater downtown Indy. And I had to psych myself up to be ready to drive down there, to What's be honest. <laughs> you like it, like, oh. yeah. So the last time I, I guess this would have been the last time I had bought tickets for a concert in Boston. And it was at this sort of like, um, it was, it was a dive bar, but it was a place where like, before you moved up to like the nice midsize venues in Boston, this is where you would go. And they were like a Boston group who was sort of starting to blow up kind of nationally and, I kind of had a feeling this would be my last chance to see him in this kind of setting. So I bought tickets. It was on a Sunday night and then was like coming up to that day. And I remember being like, Oh, they're like the headliners. And there's like two other bands. Like these fuckers aren't going on until 11 o'clock. <laughs> I didn't uh, go. Yep. I didn't go. I just stayed home. You didn't go. No, I, didn't. Oh I miss the days when you could cure a hangover with like half a jumbo Jack and the like watered down diet Coke from the night before yes. you power yeah. that down. You're like, all right, I'm ready to go. See, with I haven't, soda I never, would hydrate you hundred percent. I don't think yes. I ever had that. Like I, I can remember drinking at 17 and having like debilitating hangovers. Like at 17. <laughs> I remember my first hangover. When I, have, I think it like happened when I turned 30, it was like oh, clockwork. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> a hangover yeah. is terrible. I, in many yeah. ways, I, I, I talk about this a lot, but like I, in many ways, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I feel blessed by my fragile constitution because <laughs> If I didn't have it, my various like appetites in life would probably overtake me, but I just can't, I mean, I can't. So here, you know, I have to live this like balanced life, you know? 
caged heat over here. (laughs) (laughs) Caged heat. Oh, man. You know. I've also reached the age, Eric, you can relate with this to this somewhat but i've reached the age where you know every couple days it's always an adventure i'm finding something new that well i can't eat that anymore oh dude talk to me about that jesus christ yeah rachel's in there i identify with this i had a very sad charcuterie experience that interrupted mine and elizabeth's Uh, plans but the charcuterie was beautiful it was worth it it really was (laughs) it's just those things it's like oh it tastes so good but it's the next day and it hurts so bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is, this is my life. You're talking like, you have to just make an experience. You have to make a decision at some point if it's like yeah. really worth hurting yourself like that. And it's the same thing with drinking. I feel like when you're, I mean, I would deal with hangovers and depression for like a week after drinking. And it was like, is this really worth it to feel cool for like an hour before I started, you know, like, cause I wouldn't even make it through the, depends on how you feel the rest of the time. I wouldn't even make it through. <laughs> you might need that hour. I like wouldn't wow. even make it through the buzz before I started feeling shitty. Like I'd I'd go straight from the like nice You're a very sensitive case, I feel. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm still, <laughs> but you know, it's my experience, so. No, I know what you mean. There was I, it was like when I turned 30 that I could not I had a headache before the bottom of the glass of champagne. Yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't even get the benefit before it was like fucking with me. I'm just imagining Caitlin going back and listening to all of these episodes from the beginning. <laughs> Getting like back when, you know, like the first episodes oh, and all shenanigans and wild. Oh and then I turned 30 and my knees failed. I mean, you I could, walker this week. You could find if you go to um, BGH, I think it's BGH video or something. Yeah. It's like youtube.com slash BGH video is our YouTube. And you can find a lot of these old live streams that we've made public kind of years later, but also all our spooktaculars and you can find them when we did, I think of Zombievers. I think it was when they had me drinking a 40 and yeah. I literally remember you asked if there was meth. In it I was like, is there meth in this? Cause I feel insane. Like what is happening right now? I hadn't had a 40 <laughs> since I was Eric like 40 hands with like two Pepto business. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't had a 40 since I was like 17. I'm like, this should be illegal. Like what? <laughs> Is, what is this? Yeah, they're so convenient to shoulder tap, though. Affording oh, anything. God. Sir? <laughs> Edward Forty has Pepto Bismol. <laughs> Somebody make that. That's the next T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! What a what a dumb nonsensical T-shirt. Eric Forty hands, but with Pepto Bismol. Yeah. And with the um, what's the big Amazon Kindle? Oh, with jitterbug? Uh, jitterbug. With a jitterbug. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to use this jitterbug with a pepper with <laughs> I imagine that might be difficult. I like Just to. like, oatmeal makes me sick. Like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I like to think about it as like an art piece where, like, like the only color would be the pink and the Pepto Bismol. I love you know? it. Yeah. Sort of like yeah. Schindler's List. I think we should do it that way. There you go. Schindler's jitterbug. Oh, you are to something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't intend for that to, to be take that list on the chitterbug. I thought, you know, I, I thought we might all bond about being old, but apparently this is just Eric is old hour. So here we are. Um, <laughs> well, but it's cool. No worries. The are old enough to know better. <laughs> there we are. Then to talk about it. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com's email address. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror. and get all those old episodes and hear us when we were but young whippersnappers back in the day. Go back to 2007. And so much collagen in those joints. Oh Ooh. my goodness. Yeah. Now I take yeah. collagen as a supplement. Um, 
Yeah, don't forget to check out Zombie Girls, G-R-R-L-Z, and see what Elizabeth is doing over at Final Girl Scout on Twitter and Instagram. Casey, what are you again? Cinema Fromage? Cinema.Fromage. Dot Fromage. And um, yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye-bye.